Hey, Podcast PD. It's AJ, and I want to talk to you briefly about Movember. Movember is an annual event involving the growing of mustaches during the month of November to raise awareness of men's health issues such as prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and men's suicide. Movember Foundation runs the Movember charity event housed at Movember.com. This is my sixth year taking part in this event. I've had a number of people in my life impacted by various men's health issues, and this is how I honor their fight. If you would be so kind as to think about donating for this cause, I would truly be grateful. Whether you're a Mo bro or a Mo sister, let's change the face of men's health together. To make a donation and support men's health awareness, visit podcastpd.com slash Movember. Hi, I'm Dan Krinas from the Leader of Learning podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three, two, one. In episode 39 of Podcast PD, a lot of hard work goes into planning most PD opportunities. What happens when those efforts don't go as planned? We also share some new podcast recommendations, and somehow, Chris is going to Harvard? This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you'll have more fun with Stacey Lindis, Chris Nessie, and me, AJ Bianco. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 39 of Podcast PD. Tonight, today, tomorrow morning, whenever you're listening, we are going to be talking about planning professional development and making sure you have the attendance that you want. How are you guys doing? Chris, AJ, what's good? Well, since you said my name first, it's me, AJ, and I'm doing very well, except that the Jets lost. Wow. And this is Christopher, and I'm doing well. Except I have a lot of podcasts I have to edit. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, Stacey? How are you today? I'm doing all right. Uh, Pumpkin carving this weekend and yelling at the kids because it's bewitching hour. What else is good? It's a good family weekend. Lots of um, good conversation this weekend. It's almost Halloween. Is everyone set? Costumes are purchased and everyone's ready to be ghoulish or fun or frightful. My boys are dressing up as Mario and Luigi for Halloween. I saw that. They are ready to go. Pasta power. But things have been good here uh, on my front. You know, sure, the weather's been bad, and it's not an episode of Podcast PD if we don't talk about the weather a little bit. So it's been rainy and gloomy here in New Jersey. But, you know, I still have my health. Way to stay positive, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) AJ, what are the boys being? You know, I wish I actually knew. Like, so by the time this goes out, I'm sure I was going to say Halloween will have passed. No, I'm just saying. The, the boys, the, the plan for Halloween on the day of Halloween was one was going to be Ash from Pokemon. The other was going to be Pikachu. But I have a feeling that's going to change. I think Ash is still in the mix, but I see some Jurassic World. I see some Jack Skeleton costumes being put in the mix just because oh. my little guy, he just he just doesn't, he wants what he wants. So whatever he wants, he'll probably figure out the day of Halloween. He's got a little school parade, so he'll probably wear one costume then, and then he'll go home and get another one. He wore two this weekend already, so we had a couple of Halloween things to do. So we'll see how that works out. That's very odd to see an undecided Bianco, so I don't know where this is coming from. Wait, 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 though. Do you actually have all of these costumes on hand? Yes, we do. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. So listeners, I apologize that we're talking about Halloween, but... For us, it's still coming for you. It's It's current events. You already know what happened. We hope it was a wonderful Halloween for everybody. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know on Twitter. Still dressing up. Let us know on Twitter if you have any candy left when you hear this episode. Yes. And what's your favorite candy? Sure. Reese's. Yeah. I just bought a Stitch costume because my son decided last minute he wants to be Stitch. So 
I have two coming from Amazon, and today I went to Hot Topic to buy one. <laughs> what did you get from Hot Topic? A Stitch costume. I have in the Hot Topic since like 18. Can I tell you, I go into Hot Genco Topic. My Genco jeans from Hot Topic. I go into Hot Topic all the time, and half of my Harry Potter wardrobe is from there. Okay. Yep, because they have a very good Harry Potter, sele- Harry Potter selection. Yep. Well, speaking of Hot Topics, I'm going to Harvard, yo. Yeah, yeah what gotta, does that mean? This one. Tell us, why are you going to Harvard, Chris? All right, I forget the timey-wimey stuff. So as we sit here recording this, uh, on November 2nd, I will have... I'm going to try and make this sound in the past tense. <laughs> on November 2nd, I will have gone to Harvard to the seminary school, not because I'm totally changing my life, but because I will have attended the podcast conference Sound Education, which is a podcast conference all about podcasting in education. So how could I not be there? I found out about this conference uh, probably around the end of the summer. It it had to be after I went to podcast movement in July and somebody connected me with the person who was running this at Harvard. And I reached out and being, you know, the house of ed tech, the founder of the education podcast network and editing so many education podcasts. I kind of weaseled my way into like being a part of this based on my expertise in this field. So the guy running it, Zach, he invited me up and I moderated a panel that I can't tell you about yet because technically it didn't happen yet, but I'm going to be up there uh, moderating a panel. All right. So forget about the timey stuff. (laughs) I'm just going to go with it. So I will be moderating a panel called podcasting as a teaching tool in K-12 education, and I will be on this panel slash moderating it with. Uh, Eric Marcus from Making Gay History, a podcast. Karen Gage from ListenWise. Now, if you've listened to the show, we've talked about ListenWise a little bit. It's a great tool to bring podcasting into your classroom in terms of using listening as a learning tool. Uh, Deborah Fowler from History Unerased. And Meredith Halpern Ranzner, Ranzer from Tinkercast, which Stacy is familiar with one of the hosts she from Tinkercast. She well, I, I believe Meredith is one of the producers. Well, Wow in the World is part of Tinkercast. Okay, so I'll be That's what I meant. getting to talk with these fine folks about podcasting as a teaching tool, and I'm gonna while I'm there on Friday the second get to meet a lot of pro type podcasters. Uh, I will get to see Emily Prokop from the story behind. She's going to be there and speaking over the weekend, and. Uh, Dan Carlin's doing uh, a keynote on Saturday that I won't be there for, but I'll get to certainly meet people who do this even more professionally than I do. For a living? For a living. Yeah, that's super cool. Chris, your assignment while you're there is to meet up with Karen Gage and ask her to be on the show. I will get lots of people to be on our show because I'll bring my Zoom recorder. I may bring I may come back from this with some interviews ready to to just throw into a show. Yeah, but I want Karen to come I want to be able to talk to her too. Okay. That's my point. Does she know yeah. you? No, I want to talk to her though. Okay. I want to know her. That's right. my point. <laughs> I I will you guys know me. I will I will push all around Harvard. Yeah, Chris, fantastic opportunity for you. I'm really glad that you were able to be part of this panel and knowing you and your passion for podcasting. I think you're going to do a wonderful job and come back with some fantastic information for us and our listeners and even for your show going forward. I certainly hope so. I'm I'm very, very excited about this. Me too. Me too. I'm also excited about tonight's show. Our topic is planning for professional development. And one of the things I think many presenters struggle with and I say presenters, but, you know, professional development people, people who plan, you know, shares, lunch and learns, chew and chats, whatever you're going to call them. Um, as AJ said in the teaser, there's a lot of planning that goes on to goes into the professional learning that we plan for our colleagues and our coworkers. And sometimes it can be disappointing when we have zero people show up or one or two people show up or not as many people show up as we are expecting. And that's really kind of what tonight's, today's, tomorrow's podcast episode is all about. 
So we are going to be talking about what to do when we are planning our professional learning, professional development, so that people want to join us in that endeavor. And to do that, Chris and AJ really went out on the town in Twitter and on Voxer. And I actually started the conversation in Voxer as well. Um, And we solicited some feedback on how others entice their colleagues and PLN into their professional learning opportunities um, throughout the year. So we are going to talk about that now. We got a lot of advice and we are so excited that so many people shared their tips and tricks. And our show is basically going to be the curated content that we received from our PLN. Where do we want to start? You know, we have a lot of things and we have a um, a whole bunch of different topics we can certainly react to based on what people have shared with us. So I think from our experience alone, I think each one of us um, really appreciates professional development. And for the things that we do, you know, I think there's moments where we're just looking for one thing and, and getting something else out of it. So I know, for example, when I look at Coffee EDU, you know, we put a lot of time in coffee to you. And I want to make sure that, you know, we're having a great number of people there. And for me, uh, when I see numbers that are not where I expect, and sometimes I expect 25 or 30 people and I only get like 10 or 12, you know, that for me, it kind of knocks it out as a negative. But then I look at the conversation that takes place and I'm really passionate about, you know, bringing people together. And I have to remember that. And, and I know coffee to you is such like, a meaningless professional development tool for some people because it is a weekend. But when I look at it, it's something that's really powerful in bringing people together and sharing a wealth of information. So uh, I don't know if anybody else out there is running coffee to use or finding success or has any tips or tricks for me as I try to build up what we have here in North New Jersey. But I know, and I know it's silly. I say 10 people is not enough, but Sometimes I feel like I want more. I'm a numbers guy. I got to say, though, just to piggyback on that a little bit, you know, I, I it kind of made me a little sad when you said that, you know, X number of people would kind of, you, you see it as like not enough, you know, when, and, and this is going to sound overly, I don't know, but it, if even if it's just you and one person, th- there's valuable conversation there. You know, you know, we, we've all had that conversation with a colleague, you know, in, in passing in the hallway, in the, in the lunchroom or, you know, on our prep that might be the best PD we get ever. Well, not ever, but, you know, even if it's just one person, you know, AJ, if you just showed up today and, you know, John Doe, middle school science teacher showed up and said, hey, I'm here to have coffee. I'm sure you would have had some really interesting conversation getting to know John Doe and made the most of the time you had with the person. No, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, you're right. I, I can have a conversation with people and be normal. But, you know, I think even when we look at professional development from a school point of view, we want to create something that's meaningful, memorable, and something that we're going to engage people. You know, and when I say I'm a numbers guy, I don't mean like I'm a math guy by any means. I'm a numbers guy in the fact that I want people to attend or come or show up. You know, so I want to make sure it's something that's, really going to stand out for the people around us. So yes, I can have that conversation with one person and be quite happy. But at the same point, I feel like when there's more people there and we have more voice to share, kind of like our classroom, it becomes more successful. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, And the numbers aspect of it has really been stuck in my craw for the past two years. Um. As a coach in my building, it is my responsibility to offer monthly PD. And I will say so far this year, I have not had the opportunity to do that yet. And I will not have delivered on that expectation for September or October. So the first opportunity I'm going to have is for November. But there have been times in the past two years where um, when I host my chew and chats, and I call them chew and chats because they don't necessarily happen during lunch, and I almost always make cookies. And if I don't make them, then I bring cookies. Pepperidge Farm are my favorites. I get disappointed when 
you know, out of those four periods, because I do offer the same professional learning opportunity four different times throughout the day and they're 40 minute periods. Um, I get upset when like there are times when there are zero people and that's when, you know, it, it becomes a reflection. It's like, well, what could I have done differently to bring people in? And I think that that's for me where this idea came from, um, along with other conversations that I've had with colleagues, but you know, it's when we're not meeting those expectations. So AJ, I totally agree with you. Like, yeah, those one-on-one conversations are amazing, but I can plan those almost any time. And then they're personalized for the person that I'm spending my time with. But when you plan a more global experience for any learner in the building or any teacher in the building, then it is kind of disappointing when you don't necessarily have the numbers, not necessarily that you were expecting, that kind of validate that the work that you're doing is worthwhile. Again, if, if, if like say, so you're more so than AJ and I, you're in a position where you are the one coming up with an idea for PD and you want to see that plan executed and you want to see people benefit from what you initially started out with was here's something I think people will find valuable. And whether it's you or any of the other specialists or coaches who are listening to us, you want to be well attended. But let me ask you this, Stacey, because you're our resident coach. Right. Where does the expectation come from for attendance? Is that from you? Is that from administration wanting to like, is that a stat that's kept? Um, I keep those numbers just for my own record keeping. And then they are passed on to our building secretary. And I do share them with the building admin just for record keeping. It's not necessarily that anyone's saying those numbers are low. Um, I will say that supervisors in the district have expectations for um, usage of coaches. I don't necessarily know that there's a number, but for me, it's not even that I expect, you know, two, three, four, five, six people per session or more than that. It's more of a um, self-driving expectation that I want to create professional development that is meaningful enough for my teachers want to want to be there. Right. So like, if you think back to previous episodes where we've talked about um, what Dave Burgess says, you know, are you creating a classroom experience or a lesson where your kids would buy a ticket to attend your class? Like I want to be able to deliver that kind of professional development for my staff. And it's not so much that they're buying a ticket. Let's be honest. Right. Adults in the building, their commodity is not money, it's time. Like, are they willing to give up a prep period or a lunch period or some other, you know, non-student contact time to come spend 40 minutes with me as an alternative? I'm happy with one person. I really, really am. But it's when I get zero people where I'm like, all right, so it's either this is a really bad time. This is re- like as far as like in the day, like whether it be like second block that I'm I'm offering the PD or it's a really bad time in the calendar, right? Because it's report cards or it's, you know, half days or it's holidays or it's like everything, you know, it's like March. March is that month where like there's just constant madness and there are no days off. Or is it just my topic just didn't hit a chord? And so then I just start like thinking. And um, part of the conversation that we had in Voxer was just kind of that reflective piece when not necessarily my expectations, but anyone's expectations don't necessarily hit the mark. When you get that seed of an idea for something you want to plan, at what point do you take into consideration some of the things that you just said, you know, the time of year, you know, where do even where do your ideas for the PD you want to offer come from? I guess what I'm asking is, how do you develop the PD that you offer? The sources for input are kind of multifaceted in that um, they could be, you know, themes or a directive or this year we have our strategic goals, which are really guiding the professional learning that we're offering in general throughout the district. So even on our district-wide PD day, like the emphasis was to keep in mind the three strategic goals that we adopted last year. And that we're, you know, gradually implementing 
um, over time. And this year there's a greater emphasis than there was last year, which was more of an introductory period. But even last year, our themes included, you know, student-centered learning, global audiences, which again are kind of our strategic goals. So like those three strategic goals this year are in the back of my mind as I'm thinking about professional learning. Then I kind of get a sense of what my teachers have been asking for. So is it something like a, a specific tech tool like WeVideo where we have licenses for all the students, seventh grade does a huge project, but sixth and eighth grade may not do a lot of work with that. But still last year it was new for almost everyone. So is that a good opportunity? And no, I did not do a share on that, but my counterpart, Dan, did. And we talk about like, what could we bring? Generally, we try to steer away from one specific tool. The overarching emphasis as a technology coach that we try to even instill in our teachers is that it's not about one tool that makes or breaks a lesson, but it's about, you know, the outcomes that you're expecting at the end and the the right tool to make it work. And if that's about offering student choice, then it might not be just the one tool. It could be a myriad of tools that helps us get to the desired outcome, whether it be content creation or content curation, or we have, you know, a whole a whole basket of things that we can like rely on or toolkit. We like to call it a toolkit. Like, so a whole toolkit of tools that we can bring for the job, knowing that in this particular case, it might be this one tool, but if it's like we tweak it a little bit, then it might be something else, right? Like it's like a screwdriver. It's Are you using a Phillips head or a flathead? It depends on the screw that you're using. It depends on what your outcome is. That makes perfect sense. And I think the big takeaway for our listener, because not everybody who is listening to us right now is a, whether it's a tech coach or some sort of specialist in, in another area, you know, pushing in and doing uh, PD trainings, you know, a lot of people who listen now they have a better understanding of what goes into the PD I've been exposed to, you know, and, and maybe that lets them realize, oh, maybe the coaches in my building are looking for input and I could email them and really feel comfortable asking questions that might lead to the development of a workshop. And that even also gives some nice insight into things like a district's strategic plans, because, you know, we've, we've all had the opinion and, you know, said under our breath, why are we going to this PD? Why is it six and a half hours or why is it two hours or whatever the case may be? There are things that do come from on high and it's there for a reason. And I think just like our classroom, I think whoever we are, whatever our role is in school, whatever, whatever we're doing, I think, you know, just like we tell our students, having the conversation, listening the feedback and understanding where everybody is involved in this. I think that's when we're going to have PD that's even more beneficial for everybody. Because in the end, what's the main goal? Is the main goal for teachers to get their PD hours? No, the main goal is to make sure that our students are learning and that they are more engaged than ever before in the content that they can create and go out in the world and do something big. And Chris, you said it the last time we spoke, it's not about teaching trivia. It's about teaching students to help them prepare for the real world. I don't even want to say 21st learning anymore because what is this, 2018 and we, we should be past that whole 21st century learning. No, idea. we shouldn't. I disagree with you there because we're only 18% into the century. I'm just saying there's still 72% left. Boom. Boom. I, I understand. But if we're still not making the changes that we should have made 18 years ago, whatever your math is, I don't know. I'm not correcting you. Um, if, we're, if we're not making the positive impact now, then we're not going to do it at all. You know, we don't need to wait. How many years did you say? 72? I think we need, to, we need to start chipping away. You know, and if people are still not chipping away, then we're having. I agree. We're, we're not going to make it to the end of the century. And we Speak need for to yourselves. start. <laughs> okay. Well, good on you. Humble brag. But um, yeah, we do need to start. Right. We just need to move forward. We need to start. Yes. That, that's what it, that's, it as that's what I'm saying. 21st anything. It's yes. just where we are. Because if you that's look at some I'm of the 21st century skills, those should be skills that we've embraced a long time ago anyway there is so much about education that we we have a, a term or we have an acronym or whatever the case may be that if you strip it away it's what teachers have been doing for a long time you know we talked we talked about a couple episodes ago about social emotional learning and, and i made the comment when did we stop caring about kids you know we, we did i don't think I, 
we've stopped caring about them, but there's just always this focus on, and there's always a focus on many things in education. I can see both sides of what you're both saying, you know, Stacy right. saying, you know, it, it is important to still consider, you know, 21st century learning and AJ saying, let's be in the present. But I, I think what's there between both of you is we need to be preparing our students for beyond their education in the classroom. And a little bit of the unknown. Believe me, I, I'm big on the unknown because I don't know what it is. I get it. I see what you did there. Um, but in, in order to help us out, why don't we bring in some of the great feedback that we've gotten related to professional development? And I'm going to go over to my sound program and I'm going to bring in a little clip from Tracy Enos, who is a fantastic member of our podcast PD Voxer group. Tracy sent us a lot of great audio and we're going to interlace that in a number of other comments. So let's take a listen to what Tracy started us off with. It's such a mix for, for different people. And I know everyone has, you know, such crazy lives outside of school and different, you know, different things inside school that sometimes professional development just feels like something added to your plate. And that's unfortunate because I feel like professional development is what inspires us and what ultimately strengthens us. So it's such a bummer when it becomes just another thing to do, something that you have like mandated and or not really relevant or not really going to help me today. It's kind of like, you know, somebody who's drowning, so to speak, you're not going to stop and teach them like synchronized swimming techniques, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? They're like, I just need some help to, to stay afloat right now and maybe do like something, you know, that's going to help me and, and take away the energy and the stress level that I'm feeling right now. You know what I mean? Not theoretically. I, I loved when she came in and said, it's supposed to inspire us. Right. And I think when we look at some teachers, I think we are hoping that this PD that was created will inspire everyone, but it's just too bad that too many people think it is just mandated and they're going to ignore it. I mean, as we get ready here at the end of October, I'm trying to pump up EdCamp in my school and, and talk to teachers about coming out to EdCamp. And I am banging my head against the wall with one of my in-class support teachers by trying to say, you know, did you register yet? And I'm, I'm sort of like joking at this point because every time I mention it, this person just talks about, oh, when is it? Oh, it's a Saturday. Nah, I'm good. And I'm just like, and my other people I work with are like, you should really come. It'll be like the best PD you've ever done. And they're still like, nah, I'm good. It's, you know, Saturday is my time. I think we've, you know, again, those of us who are listening, those of us who are recording this, we're all from a different mold. We want that PD and we know the power of an ed camp. You know, but there's still so many. You want that PD? You need we, that PD. Needed. <laughs> no, but there, there really is so many educators who say, "I'm going to get my hundred hours, and 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 I'm good with my hundred hours. Whatever the school wants to mandate for me, I'll take that." Well, see, that's the problem. Is again, speaking here in New Jersey, we're still on paper required to get a hundred hours every five years, twenty a year. And guess how many hours your district provides you with? Twenty. So where is the incentive to go out and do something beyond what your district provides you? I think it would be way more beneficial if, whether it's New Jersey or other states that do it like this, your district provides you with 10. It's up to you to go find those other 10 hours and, and keep up. We want to be respected in this profession. We are always talking about how teachers get crapped on, you know, the low pay, whatever. You know, we, we build society as educators you know, we should be up there with lawyers and doctors. You know, we've all heard that at some point or another in our careers. But you know what? I would not go to a lawyer, and we've all heard this too. We would not go to a lawyer that was not current on the law, and we would not go to a doctor that was using outdated, antiquated methods to practice medicine. And yet, teachers who want to be respected, too many of them, us, too many of us, I'm not going to exclude too many of us, don't put in that effort to stay as current as we really, truly could. Agreed. I really feel like EdCamp is like that, especially EdCamp New Jersey and its timing. It's like that that perfect time, perfectly timed PD that just is that like little battery jolt that you need, right? Like when you plug in your rechargeables and it's just like five seconds or your Apple Pencil, you plug it in for five seconds and you've got like 15 more hours of using your pencil or whatever. And it's like perfect, but... Absolutely. EdCamps provide you with everything from A to Z. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Ooh, sorry. 
That was funny. Oh, Trevor Noah, we love you. See, there are those Trevor, inside jokes. Trevor, Trevor Noah. Trevor, Trevor Noah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Just so you who's listening doesn't feel like you're completely on the outside, we were talking about Trevor Noah, and AJ brought up how he said the letter Z is Z, but he is British, so I threw it in there. He's from South Africa. With a British accent. Yes. What I was going to say is, I don't know about you guys, but I don't even count my in-district hours as part of my 20 for the year. And I also get to count the hours that I spend delivering pd and the hours that i spend creating the pd so i don't count any of that all of the 20 hours that i put in i are out from outside the district i can happily say that i i count it all everything everything i do goes on my little pdp form at the end of the year so that at this time of year and just this week i get that little letter from central office that confirms how many hours i got from the for the previous school year and this year it came back with like 210 and a half hours, 210 and a half hours. Can wow. I take the next 10 years off from PD? No. no. Am I gonna? No. No, that's ludicrous. Planning another ed camp. Yeah, I, I, I count everything that I do, whether it's school, whether it's my personal, whether it's planned, whether it is something that I have created. You know, I don't, I don't think I've hit that 200 mark yet, but I've, the last three or four years, I've been up in the 140s, 150s. I don't even count. I don't count everything. Like I don't count the coffee EDUs. I don't count like small things that I do like that. Anything I get a certificate for, I'm counting. But there's just so much more that I probably could include that I don't. I'll give you guys letters for Ed Camp, New Jersey. That's all right. So Tracy had some really great feedback there. What other feedback did we get? We got a nice little piece from... Where is it? I'm sorry. I'm looking at the notes. I'm not going to take this out. Uh, actually, AJ, why don't you go into, you had a nice conversation on Twitter recently with Amy Arbogash via Twitter. She is at Amy Arbogash, and there'll be a link to that in the show notes. Why don't you share a little bit about what Amy shared with you for us? Yes. So so just for the listeners out there, I put a I put the question out there because we wanted to be more interactive and we thought PD was everybody's responsibility. And Amy came back and she had uh, some great things to say about PD and trying to get the most possible out of it. And she said, the first thing she does is I flip it. She says, I've worked hard to change the way that we think about PD. Um, and she says, it truly is a mindset shift on how we use our time when we are alone and we are together. She worked in a reformative district to flip staff meetings and other available times by pulling out information that can go into email or video. And then our obligation, I'm I'm totally um, ad-libbing here. Our obligation is to watch the video and read the email so you don't have to sit through the mundane if it's already out there for you. By doing that, she gives us time for collaboration, creation, and engagement during faculty time. AJ, keep going because she had some good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you said, teachers need to be more involved and invested in PD. It's not something that is done to them. Uh, they have to take ownership in their learning. They can do they can do that when they run PD, ask them what they need or want. Surveys are a great way to collect that information. Ask them what topics they want, how they learn best, what their goals are, and how they can lead. And I love that part because that's what we just talked about. That conversation, that feedback, that's what's really going to make PD really uh, the best for all parties. Um, she also said, make PD way more engaging. So teachers should have a personalized learning plan and know how to work within a learning opportunity. That can only happen uh, is when we give them choice. Uh, they should be able to choose their pace, place, and path. And this is a big thing that we keep talking about with students, that personalized learning for students. Why shouldn't it also continue with us as educators? I love what she said there about, I, I'm really zoning in on the word path. Mm -hmm. You know, like the choose your own adventure of, my learning and where do I want to go and how do I want to grow? I love that. I like that whole alertive phrase, right? So pace, place, and path. The path thing we've been working on a lot in district through the district-wide PD that we've been doing. But like, if you think about the fact that not everyone's going to learn at the same pace, you know, these are conversations I've had with supervisors and admin. I always um, joke around that it's like the little mountain climber from The Price is Right. 
and how it goes <laughs> yodale, up. Yodale, yodale, yodale. Right. And everyone goes up at their own pace. And when you talk about place, like we have to, Chris, you've been saying this for years, right? Like it's not about seat time and we need to get away from, like you must be in wherever your faculty meeting is, whether it be the library or the cafeteria or the gym, you need to get away from that notion that everyone has to be in that little seat and everyone must be on the same attendance sheet in order for it to count. If, if you're measuring seat time, you're measuring the wrong end of the learner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that whole phrase right there, they should be able to choose their pace, place, and path. Um, Amy, love it, love it, love it. Keep going, AJ. Yeah, and, and I think the next two things I'm going to say here, I think these are, for me, this is the most powerful for me. I love what she says here. She says, when you are known to give innovative PD, it sells the PD. No matter the topic, teachers will know they can come and design their learning. They will take away uh, what they want to. If you are known to give less engaging PD, teachers know that too. I, I think that is so, so true. You know, I think when you go to an ed camp or, or on Twitter, like this, the people sell themselves. Like we go to their sessions because we know what they're going to deliver. You know, we should do that in our schools too. We should be selling and branding the, the the best of the best. Like I hate to say it like that, but if there's a teacher that you know is doing something amazing in their school or in their classroom, they need to be delivering that PD to our staff. And the last thing that Amy throws in there, and, and this is great too, always communicate the why. Even when asking them what they need, PD should have a component of the why. It will make them believe. It connects them emotionally to the work. If we expect this of our teachers, we should expect it for our teachers. And then if you are curious about what Amy is offering for professional development, we'll put a link in our show notes that you can check it out at flippedstaffmeetings.weebly.com and you can continue to see what Amy has to offer because just this little snippet of the conversation that I had with her, uh, I was totally jazzed up and, and amped to even become part of her uh, PLN. So thank you, Amy, for your feedback. It was tremendous. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, she goes on to say a little bit about like shifting the mindset of what PD could look like in a school or in a district. And I think that that's really key too. Um, you know, I know we talked in the past about how I have a new administrator in my building and she's come with so many different ideas of what professional development could be and what it should be. And we read um, Rich Chiz's book about, you know, really stealing our own PD time. And if you want to hear more about that, you can listen to episode, I believe it was 17, Chris? It was episode 12. Where we got to interview Rich and he talks about um, different PD opportunities that he offers out in the four o'clock faculty book um, where he goes rogue with professional development. Just shifting the mindset that PD isn't the sit and get, that it's not seat time, that it's not just the two or three whole day district PD days that some people find an excuse to bug out on, right? That it could be anything, that it could be a book club with a colleague, that it could be a professional conversation, that it could be coffee EDU, that it could be ed camp. There's so many different ways to learn. And I think we need to take advantage of that. So Tracy or Amy, good on you. Thank you so much. I really liked we got this via Instagram. And if you didn't know, we are at Podcast PD on Instagram. And this comes to us from Alyssa Kingsley. Her Instagram handle, if you want to follow her and connect with Alyssa, is Kingsley Party of Three. Great Instagram name. <laughs> uh, and she said to us via Instagram to AJ's call to the to the tribe here. Uh, when I taught in Westchester, she was uh, I was I'll, I'll read this as Alyssa. So I'll, I'll do my best, Alyssa, although maybe Stacy, you should do this. Go ahead, Chris. I want to hear it. Okay. When I taught in Westchester, I was on the PD committee. We organized teacher-led professional development sessions on assigned PD days, meaning that colleagues were the presenters. Surveys were sent out as feelers for those who would be interested in presenting, as well as what topics teachers were interested in learning about. Topics varied based on content area, skill, and grade level. There were not many issues with low attendance as PD was held on specific days when only staff was in the building. And she goes on to say that she's looking forward to listening to this episode. So shout out to you, Alyssa, and thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. So a fun fact, I've known Alyssa since I was in elementary school, 
And uh, you did not sound like Alyssa. She'd be more bubbly and happy. You just sounded like Chris. Well, fine. But my big takeaway is that the idea of a PD committee. Now, should most schools have a PD committee? Should yes. all schools yes. have a PD committee? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Do we think that all schools have a PD committee? Mine does. That involves the teachers and all yes. voices are heard? Yeah, my PD committee is amazing. I'm not knocking it, but is it possible that there are districts in in an earshot of us that don't have this or it's not done well? Probably. Well, let me ask you, do you guys have PD committees? So in my school, we don't have a true PD committee. Uh, a lot of our PD does come from the big sister schools, and they have a curriculum center where they do call on some teachers to give uh, some input. Um, so we don't have a, a committee for our school, but we do have we do have conversations. I wish we did have a committee. I wish a lot of schools had a committee because we know it's not happening in a lot of places. But I think a committee is really great. Again, goes back to that voice. It's a great opportunity to share feedback and have the conversation of what is needed in our classrooms. AJ, let me ask you real quick. You have that um, that PD center. Mm -hmm. You've been doing a lot of work there, right? I have, yes. And do you feel like going back to just the topic of the conversation, has your attendance been what you had hoped for? Yeah, that's a great question. I never really thought about it that way. I don't, when I, okay. So for my PD center, for the curriculum center, they, at the end of every year, in April or May, send out a form to all the teachers in the neighboring districts if you'd like to present topics and have those conversations. So I put in a couple of my favorite topics, and I don't really know how many people sign up when they do. I kind of find out a couple of days before. So I think my numbers for a lot of my sessions have been between like 8 and 15. That's my biggest. So I, I, this is different for me because I feel like because this is like a little blurb in a in a booklet that people sign up for, I'm happy that I have those numbers because I think making that small wave or the small ripple, I guess, not a wave, making that small ripple into a teacher's life is exactly what I'm trying to do within my districts. I'd be happy with eight to 15 in a session. Right. If it was an ed camp, I wouldn't. I don't know why I say that. That's a little different for me. I, think I don't know why I say that. It just is weird for me. I'd expect more in an ed camp. I hear what you're saying because I feel like we come from ed camps where like, especially at Camp New Jersey, there are generally packed rooms because attendance is so large, but I feel like sometimes in the smaller rooms, the conversation can go deeper because you have fewer participants. So you don't necessarily have to feel like everyone has to be part of the conversation when it's 30 people and everyone's part of the conversation is that much smaller because you're trying to make 30 people fit into the conversation as opposed to when you have 10 people and everyone has, you know, that much more opportunity to speak. I can speak to that a little bit in terms of what I've done in the last couple of years presenting on podcasting at different conferences. And I'm always jazzed up when I write these descriptions and submit my proposal. And, you know, I, I go to these events and these conferences and, you know, it's time for my session and I'm ready to go. And I've got things to show and tell and talk about and share my love of podcasting. And four people signed up for my session or choose to come to the session. So I'm going to be honest and say that the initial feeling is, oh, I wish I was playing to a packed house. But then over that, you know, 90 minute session that I signed up for, I get 90 minutes and can really make sure each of those four to 10 people really leave with a meaningful experience. And maybe they're in, in my case, they will consider starting a podcast or using podcasts in their instruction. And maybe that's the difference, right? Like, so maybe I just had this thought as you were talking, Chris, that has to be less about like how we feel about the PD and more about what our participants feel about the PD. Because I'm going to guess that if you were speaking to a packed house, those people would feel like they got the, and forgive me for saying this, right? But like the canned version or like the prepackaged version of podcasting in the classroom. Whereas the group that was for 10 people large got like the more flavorful version of that same presentation, because then you can personalize it. And this person can have a little bit extra of this. And this person can have a little bit extra of that. And you're meeting everyone's needs instead of meeting um, 
the needs of one large room. Right. That makes perfect sense because if I do a session on podcasting or if I do a session on anything and there's, and, and I've done a podcasting session where there was like 50 people in the room, that's happened once. I did not take the time to go around to all 50 people to say, what's your name? Why are you here? But anytime I'm in that session where it's like four to 10, I take the time right up front to say, what's your name? Why are you here? And I make it more personal right from the get go. A little bit of who is your father? What does he do? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, it is from Kindergarten Cup. And it's one of my favorite lines. Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> it's a good, it's a good movie. That, and that's a good impersonation, AJ. Thank that you. was really good. <laughs> and you actually got the line better than I did. <laughs> All right. So I feel like we got off on a little bit of a rant, but I really think that um, Alyssa kind of speaks to like making sure that we are meeting the needs of the people that we are presenting um, and she's very specific about her surveys. So my call out to Alyssa, if you're listening, share your survey with us because I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the types of questions you put out as feelers. Sort of speaking of tangents, but also trying to keep the conversation real. Uh, we got a little bit of feedback from Jess Groff via Instagram and Jess said to us, biggest issue with PD was when teachers come in to PD thinking they could just grade papers, get their seat time measured, and get out. I've often said that sometimes teachers make the worst students on the cell phone, grading the papers, being off task. So if you, yes, it does. It's and if you news. think about it, so if teachers are the worst students, sometimes administrators are the worst teachers, right? We forget that at three o'clock, four o'clock, three thirty, whenever your faculty meeting is, like your teachers have spent an entire day in the classroom working with a bunch of kids, right? And we want to be in as entertained as our students want to be entertained. And we want to be as engaged. And it goes back to what um Amy was saying earlier. Like if it can be sent in an email or a video, please, please don't make me like meet you to hear you read it to me out loud anyone know what this is class anyone 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 seen this before it's insulting and while i do really feel that like sometimes everyone needs to hear the same message at the same time i don't necessarily feel that a faculty meeting or even a pd period um is the best place for that if that makes sense like when you say just grading papers and they want to get out of there, I envision a faculty meeting, not necessarily my faculty meetings, because I do find that my administrator is very aware of the time that we put into the day and the time that we are giving after school. And if we can get out early, he lets us go early. Like there's, it's not that, oh, you know, the contract says one hour, 60 minutes, you're going to be in this seat. There's none of that. It's like, I promise to get you out of here in 60 minutes, if we can do it before that, great, we'll do it. And then whatever it is that he has planned for that agenda, which this year really seems to be a lot of PD, like that's the plan. So that, that's, that's a great good. plan. That, I that's where PD should be more like podcasting. You know, people will ask us, you know, how long should my podcast be? Should it be a half hour? Should it be 60 minutes? It only needs to be as long as it needs to be. Say what you have to say and get out. Right. But please, please, please make the content interesting enough, whether it be a faculty meeting, PD, or a podcast that people actually want to attend, listen to, or be engaged in what you're doing. For sure. AJ, where do we want to go next? My guy, Rich Hazler, um, at Rich Hazler on Twitter. And I, I love Rich's response. Uh, so Rich has done a lot, especially this year. So I've organized the PEC Summit, which is a fantastic PD opportunity within his district. And this year, we did our first ed camp during the first two days of school. We also organized faculty book studies before school and power PDs after school. And this is the best part about all this. So you can create whatever you want to, but Rich says this. I usually model what I'm going to give PD on prior to the workshop happening. This way, staff is aware of what it, what it is and the impact they can make in the classroom. Uh, he said he did this with Flipgrid, and now that Flipgrid fever is taking over. Then we kind of, I kept kind of, 
prodding and seeing if there are any negatives to what he was doing. He says, when you don't get a great turnout, he said, keep trying. Celebrating those that are implementing the PD is important. Uh, need to make positives very loud. And I, I love that. I think that's great. I also just keep trying constant support, encouragement, and frequent conversations. So Rich, thank you for uh, your feedback on this. And again, if you want to follow Rich on Twitter, it's at Rich Hazler. We'll have his link in the show notes. And I got to be honest, when I was at the PEC Summit um, earlier in October, this is a whole district-wide PD that was taking place that allowed other people to come in as well. They had a wonderful keynote. Uh, and the sessions were great. And the energy and enthusiasm of the staff from Pequannock uh, schools in New Jersey was really made the day very exciting for everybody involved. I love it. I really, I really like the part where it says you need to make the positives very loud because I think not only does it, not that we need the validation, but it like sometimes we like the validation, like, oh, this went well, someone found value in this. When others find value in a teacher doing the thing, that's really helpful as well. That it's not just working for the person who's delivering the professional development, but it's also working for colleagues throughout the building. I like what Rich had to say in, in two spots. One, regarding the fact that he models what he's going to, at some point, lead PD on. So he does it. He leads by example. He's showing them by example. He's having teachers use, and in this case, it was Flipgrid showed the value, must have used it in a couple of different ways to garner feedback from staff and now turned around and probably showed them this is how you can use it with your students. Fantastic. The other thing I really liked is if you don't get the good turnout, keep trying. Be the little engine that could deliver PD. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, it's it continues with our conversation. I know I've been very negative about numbers game that I want to play in my mind, but you know what? I think it's reading this and I like, think about what you guys have been saying. Those small wins are what's going to make everything much better in our schools and in with our teachers as we go forward. Small wins. So speaking of small wins, let's go back to Tracy and she had a little bit more to say. Well, she had a lot, but we're going to take it. Uh, the next part that uh, Tracy shared with us. So once again, take it away, Tracy. So I think for me, I, I do one of our committees at school and we offer different professional development and I'm still trying to find, you know, a good way of doing it, an effective way of doing it. But for me as a teacher, what always comes down to is practicality. So I want something really practical. So if you're going to tell me a strategy, a teaching tip, a tool or an idea, I really want it to be something that I can apply now? Like what can we do tomorrow? Um, so show me something really flexible, something really practical. I always love the professional development times that not only do they talk you through like whatever topic or idea or, um, you know, if it's a technology aspect, but that then they give you time to actually apply it. So they give you time to work on it in the session. So let me see. Okay. So we've learned about this. Now let me think, how does this fit in with my curriculum and my kids? Cause that's another thing about PD as well. It's always tricky because we don't often meet with our specific content areas. So I work in a middle school. We don't have departments. Um, we work with grade levels, which is fine. But my grade level leader is a math teacher and she doesn't know, you know, what to help, how to help me teach English. You know what I mean? I'm an English teacher. So it's always a little bit tricky because we don't get a lot of time. And maybe you're one of, you know, four or five teachers in your building that teaches what you teach. So it's always tricky to really take some time to sit down and collaborate um, with others about how does this apply and how, what, what would this look like in my classroom and for my kids? You know what I mean? So that's always very, um, that's always important to me. Are we having a Mexican standoff? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Too. I think my favorite thing. All right. So my favorite thing that Tracy says there is, is the simplest of all questions, right? How can I help? And I think at the end of the day, we need to remember that our professional development is about bringing something that is helpful to anyone in your building, everyone in your building, you know, that special someone in your building. And as long as you can be helpful, whether it be on a one-to-one -one basis or you can be helpful in a whole PD session, that's what you're there to do, right? Professional development is about finding the one thing or the many things that are going to be the most helpful. 
So Tracy, thank you for helping us end on a high note. Um, truly, truly appreciated. This might be putting the bow on this conversation too soon, but you guys will certainly tell me. But this just clicked for me. PD planning and presenting needs to be, and what I need everybody to do who's listening, think of the best customer service experience you've ever had, where somebody bent over backwards to meet your needs and make sure you were happy, satisfied, and walked away feeling happy and, and, and valued and like you were, you could do anything. And that's what professional development needs to be when we plan it, present it, provide it. We need to make sure that the teachers that we work with feel valued and have a great experience. And there's no doubt in their mind that it was time well spent. Even if the district is measuring your seat time, still, that's where we can be little agents of change. And the PD that we plan needs to be valuable and, and give teachers so much more than what they were even thought they signed up for too soon. Or what do you guys think of that? I think you hit the nail on that. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love talking to you guys. So thank you to everybody who submitted some feedback and got engaged with our content here. Obviously something we've been looking forward to making a part of the show since we started this thing back up a couple of years ago. So thank you to Amy. Thank you to Alyssa. Thank you to Jess. Thank you to Rich. Thank you to Tracy. Uh, make sure you head over to podcastpd.com slash 39 to get links to all of the ways that you can connect with everybody, including us who contributed to this episode in this conversation. And, and please keep it coming. I really thought this is a really powerful addition to this, to our podcast. And we, we we're going to continue this. So if you see the call for action, Please feel free to respond and, and you don't have to put your name on there if you don't want to, but bring it. Pewter, Lego Batman here. When you see the signal in the sky, answer the call. Listeners, get on it. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, we have what we're listening to. And something that's gotten away from us in the last few episodes of this podcast has been how many unlistened to episodes does Stacy have on her phone? So Stacy. If you could take out your phone and let us know what the oval-shaped red pimply icon indicator reads. Last time I think we checked in hardcore, you were at like sixteen and change, sixteen hundred and change. You, you wish you were at. 16. Oh, I think it was in the 17s. Uh, you, you got. Did you, wasn't I in the 17s? Uh, it, it was up there, man. Maybe it was the 18s. No, it wasn't 18. You never broke 18, but I. It was definitely high 16s or low 17s. I just remember it was only like four or five less than where I'd started at the beginning of the summer. It's still way more than the 35 unlistened to podcasts I have on my iPad right now. Me, 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 me. 35. I don't even know what that is, but 35. So where are you at, Stace? I'm at 1608. 1608. Hey, so we're trending downward, I guess. We are. I got rid of a whole show. A whole show. What show bit the dust? I don't even know. That's there how important it was. <laughs> That's how important it was. All right. But speaking of important shows, and Stacey, we're going to keep working you over to get you closer to zero. So trend the negative. Um, so what are we listening to? Stacey, we'll start with you since you're already got kind of going. So what have you been listening to and what should people check out? So I've recommended the show several times. One of my favorite shows, and it shows up in my keep up playlist, the playlist that i have in overcast that is pretty much like all of these shows must be listened to as they come through that's um, the one with 1600 hidden... unlistened to no. episode. <laughs> no 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 that one only well it's whatever it it's the one that gets cleared out usually by the end of the week unless rob and i are listening to something but i love hidden brain with shankar Vedantham, and way back in the beginning of september he had a show and forgive the language but the show was titled bullshit jobs and that show really talks about the jobs that really are deemed as bullshit. So the show description is, have you ever had a job where you had to stop and ask yourself, what am I doing here? If I quit tomorrow, would anyone ever notice? This week on Hidden Brain, we talk with anthropologist David Graeber, 
about the rise of what he calls bullshit jobs, how these positions affect the people who hold them. And he talks really um, from that, you know, anthropological standpoint of how these jobs came to be, the different types of BS jobs that exist, and really why they exist. It's really, really fascinating. And I think one of the reasons it resonated with me so much is because I don't ever want to be perceived as having a BS job. And I really feel like some people think that it's a BS job, like that whole coaching thing, because as we talked about in this episode, not everyone finds value in the type of things that I do, whether it be PD or whatever. But there was also a lot of things that just kind of made me say, ah, that's interesting. And, oh, I see, I see people in that position or I, you know what I mean? Like, and not necessarily people with whom I'm working, but just people in general, you know, I've held many jobs before being an educator and it's just kind of interesting how it just resonates in all fields. So the BS job kind of like makes you have like a really serious look at the work that you do. Very cool. I will definitely check that out. I'm, I'm a little behind on my hidden brain. So I know I was going to say you haven't listened to that. I, I, I've got like four or five unlistened to ones, but that's because of what I've been listening to that has been taking up my time because it was very compelling. So I'm, I'm going to jump in front of AJ here and I'm recommending from Radio Lab three recent episodes titled In the Know Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3. So no is spelled N-O, not K-N-O-W. And let me start by saying that this is, one, not safe for work, two, not safe for students, mature audiences only. Not because of the language, but really because of the content. So what I want to share is the description from Part 1. Here we go. In 2017, radio maker Caitlin Prest released a miniseries called No about her personal struggle to understand and communicate about sexual consent. That show, which dives into the experience moment by moment of navigating sexual intimacy, struck a chord with many of us. It's gorgeous, deeply personal, and incredibly thoughtful. And it seemed to pre oh, hold on, I can't read. And it seemed to presage a much larger conversation that is happening all around us in this moment. And so we decided to embark with Caitlin on our own exploration of the topic. Our next three episodes will wander into the rooms full of college students, hear from academics and activists, and sit on classes about BDSM. But to start things off, we are going to share with you the story that started it all and introduce you to Caitlin Prest. The No series from The Heart was created by Caitlin Prest, and she has a podcast called The Shadows, but basically this three-part series on Radiolab explores multiple aspects of consenting to sex and the Me Too movement, and the interesting thing I found about this was that this woman's original miniseries predated the more publicized Me Too movement that we're aware of now. Um, I, I just found it to be very interesting and well-produced and it, I, I walked away thinking a lot of things about this topic. So again, mature audiences only not for listening with your kids in the car or in your classroom. So if, if you check it out and you have some feedback or thoughts, feel free to strike up a conversation with me. AJ, what are you listening to? So the podcast I'm going to recommend is a new one to me and I strictly went educational on this. I was on the Twitter and I was uh, kind of going through the feed and I, I kind of have a hashtag that I follow through TweetDeck and it's personalized learning. And I came across a retweet from uh, Catlin Tucker and she was on an appearance for a podcast I'd never heard of before, but starting to get down with and it's called uh, Brain Waves and it's uh, Teacher Conversations with Minds Shaping Education. So Brain Waves and, and just to kind of give you the idea of what their podcast is, Rainwave seeks to provide teachers powerful professional learning anywhere and anytime. We uh, feature interviews with educational giants, successful professionals, and sought-after consultants to help teachers feel more informed, inspired, and connected. So the episode I'm recommending for everybody uh, is episode 21, and it's featuring Catlin Tucker. Uh, and she talks about blended learning. And uh, as we had discussed several times on the show, I'm a uh, huge proponent of blended learning in the flipped classroom and personalized learning and listening to Catelyn, who basically is the goddess of all things blended learning. 
uh, hearing her ideas and her definition uh, about blended learning really helped open my eyes a little more to the things I was doing in my classroom. So if you are interested in blended learning or the flipped classroom or anything like that, I definitely would go to episode 21 and listen to listen to the interview, listen to Catelyn Tucker's ideas. And I think you're going to walk away with a nice change of pace for your classroom. That sounds pretty cool, AJ. And I, I have heard of the Vrain Waves podcast before. Uh, and now you've given me a reason to go and give it a listen. Yeah, you know what? And there, I was I haven't gone through a lot of their episodes. Um, I'm actually listening to one in the middle right now. Um, it's episode. Let's see, I think it's episode 18 or 17 with John Hattie on visible learning and feedback. Uh, so I'm in the middle of that one. But just looking through their list, I again I haven't gone all the way back, but they have some fantastic, fantastic uh, interviews there with a lot of guests that we would love to have on any show that we listen to. So give it a listen, try it out, find the ones that work for you. So that's what we've been listening to. If you check out anything that we recommended, please let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts about it. And there'll be links to all of those in our show notes out at podcastpd.com slash 39. And before we head out the door to our beds, to our treadmills or wherever we're going to go when we're done with this, we got a little bit of feedback. So a special shout out and thank you to Randall Black, host of the Randall Black Show. There'll be a link in the show notes. Randall listened to our last episode, episode 38. And Randall said, as a former social studies teacher, I really enjoyed this one. So obviously that's referring back to the conversation that we recently had about thematic instruction in the social studies classroom. And we did get a lot of feedback, but this was the one that stood out that I remember to put in the show notes. So if you did enjoy it and I did not include you, either I didn't see it or I forgot, but thank you for listening. All right. And because it's late here in New Jersey and all of us need to get up early for school tomorrow on Monday, I'm going to say, say goodnight, Christopher. Good night, Christopher. Say goodnight, AJ. Good night, AJ. And good night, Podcast PD. By the way, my new number is 1635. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all of the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at AJBianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie. And I would love it if you also checked out the House of EdTech podcast over on chrisnessie.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech, and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We would also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com slash Facebook to join. You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague. And if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us. Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators. Podcast by educators. For more great education podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.